Thank you. Open your Bibles, if you would, as you remain standing. I'd like you to open them, if you would, please, to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. Today's philosophy centers around what uh, is termed self-love. Self-love, this was a, uh, a philosophy dreamt up by man. And uh, God created man to live in a love relationship with Him. God created man to live in this relationship. But when Adam and Eve decided to put what they wanted ahead of that relationship, everything went awry. And we want to look today at this issue of self-love. Read, uh, uh, read along with me in your Bibles as I read 2 Timothy chapter number 3, the first five verses. It says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Father, bless now the reading of your word. Father, hide me behind the cross that I may be able to speak not my own words, but yours. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We, we come to this portion after uh, I, tr- I tried to use yes, uh, last week's message as a sort of springboard. And uh, I wanted to jump into this. And we talked last week about uh, the love that God has for us. And I made some statements last week, some uh, to the effect of it, when we do not understand the love that God has for us, we also will not understand how we ought to be loving. And we looked at 1 John in, in one of the passages that we looked at closely. In 1 John, John writes that if we uh, know him, we will love him because he first loved us. But he makes this, an interesting statement in 1 John. He says, he that loveth not knoweth not God. And so as we get into this and we start to be honest with ourselves, I believe that it's time for us to examine me. I think it's time for Andy Lake to examine Andy Lake, and I think it's time for you to examine you. Now, we want to be cautious with this because so many times we get so self-interested that we, we only focus on ourselves. We only focus on what we want, what we like, what we desire, what we prefer, and we lose sight of the one that we're supposed to be serving all along uh, this, uh, this road called the Christian life. It's a, a, a funny thing, the Christianity or the term Christian was not the original name of the early church. They were referred to as people of the way. The way was in reference to this is a better way. This is a better way to live. This is the life that I have chosen. I have chosen to walk in the way that God is walking. I have chosen to follow Christ. 
And so when we look at what it truly means to be a born-again, blood-bought child of God, there are certain things that we need to be honest with ourselves. And as we inspect self, we've got to start putting it away, putting that self away. I want you to write this down if you take notes. Whenever, whomever, or whatever a person loves the most has become a God to them. Now, we, we talk about idolatry, and, and well, we don't have any idols in our home. We don't have any graven images. You know, an idol is anything that takes the precedence over God. Anything that I have placed as more important than God is an idol. We have a lot of invisible idols, you know? And sadly, we have a lot of visible idols. The self has become an idol. Whomever or whatever I love the most has become an idol. The only one that is deserving of that type of love is the person Jesus Christ himself. God is the only, only object that rightly holds that place. Anytime I put my own wants or my own desires or my own will above that of God's, I am loving myself more than loving God, and therefore I have become an idol unto myself. All of mankind is faced with a choice. Everyone here today, everyone who is out there today, no matter where they may be, every person is faced with a choice. And the choice is simply this, to love self and do my own will, or to love him and do his. That's as simple as it gets. And some may say, well, no, I, I don't choose myself, and, and, and I may not be choosing God and his will. I'm choosing my family. That is choosing yourself because you have decided to do what you want rather than what God has asked you to do. And Jesus himself made it very clear when he said, if you're not willing to forsake it and follow me, put fill in the blank yourself. Replace the word it with whatever you want. Unless you're willing to forsake, fill in the blank, and follow him, you're not worthy of him. Those are some big words, and it's a very tall order, I understand. Uh, But the sad truth is that even though the Bible is completely directive uh, uh, and completely given uh, to self-denial and loving others, much of Christianity today is devoted to the self-centered life. Turn on a TV and flip through the preachers sometime and look at some of the different messages that are being uh, preached today. God wants you to have everything. God wants you to get whatever your heart desires. God wants you to be happy with with this life. God wants you to live the best life now because, hey, this is all there is. That's a sad message from a sad individual. You know, I can understand, I can understand people who do not know God 
living in such a way as to say, well, this is all that there is. I'm going to live it up and have a good time. I understand that. It makes sense. But the person who believes that there is a God that came from heaven, came down to this earth, died on an old rugged cross so that you could have a relationship with him and spend eternity in his home called heaven. I don't understand someone saying, well, I want to have as much as I can now because this is all I've got. Heavens, no, you've got so much more on the other side. And we've got to get honest with ourselves. That many of us have made ourselves God. We have taken the place of God. The flesh is enticed by the message of self-love. But the flesh is also horrified by the thought of denying itself. It's, it's easy to preach a message telling you to love yourself. You know, we could, we could fill any coliseum we want to fill if we just have, you know what, we want to get all the people together and I want to tell them how wonderful they are and I want to make sure that they know that they can have everything that their heart desired because they can love themselves. And it, this, this, is the, this is the message that this world is trying to purvey today. The flesh is enticed. You see, uh, we, we, want to, we want to have our style. We want to have our schedule or our book. Uh, we want to have our clothes or our happiness. It's all about what makes me happier. And, and, and I can't tell you how many times that uh, someone has uh, come through and, and I've been talking with them. I've been having a counseling session with them or what have you. Maybe it's a husband and wife sitting down together and, and the wife will say something like this. Well, he just doesn't love me. Well, do you love him? Of course I love him. Well, have you shown him respect recently? He doesn't deserve it. And once I get what I deserve, then he can have what he deserves. Ooh, yeah. That's the love of Christ coming out. We've got to quit thinking about self. Whenever I do premarital counseling, I I try to correct... I mean, how many times have you heard someone say, marriage is a 50-50 proposition. You've got to come your way, and she's got to come her way, and you meet in the middle, and yeah, that's the way we meet when it's (laughs) 50-50. No, I give 100%, and I expect nothing in return. And guess what? I'm never disappointed, because I wasn't expecting anything. And so when I only get 10%, holy cow pies, now that's a good day. It's when I'm worried about what I get out of the deal that things go wrong. Think about it from this angle. When God sent his son to earth to die for the church, what did he get out of the deal? And one day, there's coming a time where he's going to step out on a cloud and he's going to call his bride. What does he get out of it? Hey, folks, I'm part of that bride. And I'm here to tell you, he got a pretty sorry bride. 
You see, he loves the right way. He shows, I will give and give and give. And all I want you to do is do likewise. He says, follow me. Do what I do. God's way, God's timing, God's glory, God's word, God's worship, not mine, not mine. You think about it from uh, the angle of looking at the worship service. And I understand that there are many people that uh, uh, they, ha- they have different tastes. And you've got some people over here that they wouldn't be happy unless Lecrae was rapping every single Sunday morning. And, and then this group over here wouldn't be happy unless we got rid of every single instrument and we only sang a cappella uh, psalms. And then you've got the people in the middle going, I don't really even need music. I just want to hear the preaching of God's word. Read Leviticus and I'm happy. You know, you've got everything, right? It's not about you. It's about Him. And let's put our wants, our preferences off to the side. Well, I want to bring my worship to the Lord. That's where you messed up. Because it's not your worship. All worship belongs to Him. Let's get self completely out of the equation. Number one, I want to look at two main things this morning. The first being that self-love is not scriptural. And any preacher that preaches otherwise, it's on them for the burden of proof. I've not found anything in God's word that tells me I'm supposed to love myself. Not one thing in the Bible. Look with me, if you would, over to Mark chapter number 8. Mark chapter number 8. Look at verses 34 through the conclusion of the chapter here. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 says this, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Notice that first verse we read, verse 34. Notice what he says there. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. I don't see self-love in that. I see self-denial. It's not about what I want anymore. It's not about what makes me comfortable anymore. I used to think that way, but because of Christ, I need to think this way. 
And when I find myself reverting back to, well, what about me? I've got to remember that I'm supposed to deny myself, take up my cross and follow Him. The mark of truly following Jesus is self-denial. The modern teaching that Jesus wants you to be your ideal self is not accurate. Jesus never promoted any form of what they call today self-actualization. To self-actualize. I have come to the place where I am happy with me and I am good and I don't need anything else. I have self-actualized is not a biblical concept. Self-love is not virtuous. Self-love is a prideful sin and it is spiritually hindering. You know, humanism has crept in, I'm afraid, into the church in a very bold way. It doesn't even hide itself anymore. It's right out there in the open. Humanism teaches something that is quite the antithesis of biblical ideas as far as love and self is concerned. It's, it's one thing for, for someone to come in and try to sneak something in, but it's another thing. Today, it is wide open and bold and rampant to look more humanistic than it is to look biblical. People don't like that term. They like Bible-based. I was talking to a friend one time. He he'd started going to a new church, and I said, so tell me something about this church. He said, well, it's biblically-based. I said, so are the Mormons. I hope you're not going there. Said, well, it's, it's biblically based. What does that even mean? I mean, I can take a lot of stuff out of Scripture and, and base it on that. I mean, how many times does your mama say cleanliness is next to godliness? Yeah, it's biblically based, isn't it? Well, where is it? Humanism teaches to love yourself so that you can love others and then love God. They teach this, the humanism teaches this, that you will never be able to love others until you can love yourself. You'll never be able to love God effectively until you can love yourself. Can I just be very bold for a moment and very blunt? That's a lie from hell. You remember what we looked at last week, that we love him because he first loved us. It is not I love him because I love him first. No, 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 no. He loves me. I respond to that love, and then I'm able to love him. And as I have responded to that love and I'm able to love him, then it spills out onto others around me. And so when I look at this idea of, of humanistic love versus biblical love, let me give you the biblical order. God loves you. And as you receive this love, you love him. And as you love him, you will love others. If the reverse is not true, then something is wrong in the correct flow of things. If I cannot love others, it is because I have not started to love Him. Well, no, I love Jesus, but I hate that guy. Whoa, stop. 
Let's stop for a minute. If I love him, I will love others. Well, I have a hard time loving God. It's because you haven't seen his love for you. Jesus never taught self-love. It was assumed. He assumed that it was already there. You remember he said to the uh, Pharisee, he said uh, that the greatest commandment, we looked at this last week, was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind. And then what did he say? The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. This is not Jesus saying, make sure you love yourself and you can love your neighbor. He's saying, I wish you would love your neighbor the way you love yourself. Many people will take that verse and they'll say, you see, Jesus is saying that we're supposed to love ourselves. No, he's not. He's saying, look, you love yourself. Would you at least love the people next to you that good? If I love him, I'm going to love them. Self-love is never taught. What is taught, and we looked at this in our study in the book of Philippians, that for me to live is Christ. And then the mind of Christ, I adopt. The mind of Christ is what? Loving. Loving. Caring. He says, for me to esteem others better than myself. The second thing, first was love is, self-love is not scriptural. The second would be this, the scriptural replacement for self-love. Now, some will make a jump here. They will make a jump and they'll say, well, I'm not supposed to love myself, so I'm supposed to hate myself and I'm supposed to talk about myself in a bad way and I'm, not, I'm just I'm a horrible person, I'm bad, and I'm, I, I hate me. Guess what? Self is still the center of attention there. If I am rejecting self-love, the solution is not self-hatred. Because self is still the focus. It's still about me. About how good I am, about how horrible I am. About how, how, how many talents I have and about how many talents I lack. About how much money I give, about how much money I don't have. Let's take the focus off of me. This is not the answer to go to self-hate. And someone may ask, well, how do I know if I have the problem of self-love? Let me give you just several examples here. And, and there were so many I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to put them all up on the screen. So get your pen ready, get the ink out. Do you give undue attention to your own personal feelings? Do you give undue attention to your own personal feelings? Or maybe a better way of saying it would be this. Are your opinions more important than others? Well, that's the way he wants it, but I'm the one that's right. Well, that's what she thinks, but we all know that I got the right way of going about this. That's self-love. What about this one? Are you quick to criticize others you know a critical spirit stems from self-love i am critical of the way everybody else does it because i would do it so much better 
that self-love. What about this one? Is everything someone else's fault? Well, I'd, I'd be a whole lot further along, but you know, that guy over there is holding me back. Or <laughs> I'm doing this, and most of the kids have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> You roll your window down, you look at the officer. Well, the only reason I was speeding is because the person behind me was going really fast and they were getting close to me. It's not my fault. Yeah. Something's always somebody else's fault, right? How about this very simply? Are you better than someone else? That's self-love. I'm not like them. Praise Jesus. We even put a little bit of spirituality to it, right? Do the opinions of others about you keep you preoccupied? Well, I wonder what they think about me. I sent them a text message five minutes ago and they haven't responded yet. Are they upset at me? Uh, yeah. Well, if... If I do this, my son's going to be upset with me. If I do this, my husband might think, well, are we worried about what everybody else thinks about us? (laughs) I've talked with several of my deacons. I I have to be, uh, I think I've talked with all of them about it. But I've got to be careful with this because I learned a long time ago, and Pastor, you can probably understand where I'm going with this, but you can't make everybody happy. <laughs> and as a pastor, you got a lot of people to try to make happy. And so I gave up. <laughs> if I make this person over here happy, then this person over here is going to be mad at me. If I make this person over here happy, that person is going to be mad at me. And these people over here are going to feel like I'm just leaving them out altogether because I'm only worried about this person and that person. These people are just kind of fledgling around. So I said, you know what? I got one person to make happy. Him. Well, this group of people, they don't like expository preaching. They would prefer topics, Pastor. I'm not smart enough. I stay with the expository. (laughs) I'm not that creative. Sorry. But guess what? As long as I preach Him, Christ crucified, dead, buried, risen again, His Savior, your Savior. As long as I'm preaching that, He's the only one i got to make happy. Are you a perfectionist? Ooh, that one hurts. I'm not even going to look up on that one. Does it have to be perfect? Why? Well, because somebody might see the imperfect part. And, it, and, and they'll think that I'm, you know, not perfect. Are you a perfectionist? Are you quick to defend yourself? I try to teach my kids, just be teachable. Just be teachable. 
Don't be so fast to defend yourself every time. Yeah, well, no, come on. Just calm down and be teachable. Is your comfort more important than others? <laughs> it's too hot. It's too cold. <laughs> kind of feel like the Goldilocks and the Three Bears, right? Well, this one's too hot and that one's too cold. Well, this is the one I like. While the other people are too hot and too cold, but you're happy. Do you not trust God to do what is best? Now, this is the one I want to land on for a minute. Let me, let me ask you to ask yourself. I want you to think for just a minute. Think back to a problem that you've had in your life. Maybe something did not go well. Something was a mess. Something happened to you. And you are struggling to get over it, to get past it. And maybe, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself of a time in your life where someone wronged you. And it could be a horrific type of a wrong. And you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, well... This was not handled correctly. Can I ask you to ask yourself, if you were God, how would you have handled it? Let that sink in for a second. Because if you have an answer, you have just put yourself as God. And you don't trust that He did it right. You know, I've asked that question to many people. And they hand me a problem, and this is what's going on. And, this, and I've asked them, point blank, well, how would you have handled it? If you were God at that moment, what would you have done differently? Well, I would have done this, and I probably would have intervened here, and I probably would have handled So what you're saying is that you would have handled it better than God. That's self-love. And folks, we need to start being honest. That we have placed ourselves as God. Beloved, the answer is not loving yourself. Go back now to 2 Timothy. I want you to see this before I move on to the conclusion. Go back to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. The answer is not loving yourself more, but rejoicing in His love and responding to that love. But if you look there, in verse number 1, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Notice what he's saying here. Very, very, very bad days. Perilous, horrible days. And what is the first sign of these horrible days? Look at verse 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. You want to know why we're in the condition that we are currently in? You want to know why we have such a hard time in our nation. 
You want to know why our world is suffering so. You want to know why you turn on any uh, given uh, channel today and you're going to see stuff that you wish you could unsee. You want to know why you're having problems where kids are being uh, kidnapped and, and they are being trafficked across this country. You want to know why drug abuse is rampant. You want to know why alcoholism is the way it is. It is because we're living in perilous times and many Men are lovers of themselves more than they're lovers of God. We're living in bad times. Not because people don't love themselves enough. But because people love themselves too much. Let me give you this and we'll start to conclude here. If you were to look again there in 1 John chapter 4, you'd find all that we have as far as the love is concerned, the love of God is concerned. It is because of His love. Not because I love myself but because He loves me. Not because I have learned how to love myself better, but because He loves me. And I try to live in that. Look there in first. I do want to show this to you. Look there in First John, chapter number 4. And I want you to see something beautiful. 1 John chapter number 4. Uh, just Let's start in, um, let's start in verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. I mean, we could just close the book and be done right there. Look at verse 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His, perfect, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us, because He hath given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him and He in God. And we have known and believed the love of God that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. In a day where so many are preoccupied with themselves, we, the children of God, the born-again believers, those who claim to be followers of Christ, must be different. Must be different. I don't know about you, but I'm having a very difficult time wondering how a preacher can go up on Sunday morning and talk about loving others and not loving themselves. And the first thing that you see on Monday is on their social media account, selfies of themselves. Watch me eat my food. Watch me run a race. Watch me at the baseball game. Watch me with my friends. Watch me. I mean, the term selfie ought to wake some of us up. 
Look how good this hairdo looks. Look how good this shirt looks. Look at my new lipstick. Look at... I hope that's not a preacher. Anyway. Understand, God's children, Christ's followers are to be peculiar. We're to be different. And in a day where it's all about how many followers do I have? How many people liked that picture that I posted? How many people commented on that? How many people have seen my... Stop. We live in such a self-driven society. We've got to make some changes. It's not about me. It's about him. Learn everything you can about the love of God. Verse 16 talks about dwelling in God. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Learn everything that you can about the love of God. Dive into his word and just look through the pages and find all the evidences of God's love. I mean, take it all the way back to Genesis. People like to look at Genesis and they say, well, you know, they, they ate one fruit. They ate, they, ate, they ate the fruit there. And just a little side note, did you know the apple is not incorrect? People are like, well, they didn't eat an apple. Did you know that it's only been the past few hundred years that the word abel in Indo-European languages was not fruit? That's why you have words like crab apple, pineapple. Abel meant fruit. So let's not go gagging at gnats here. But go back there. They ate the fruit. People are like, well, God kicked them out of the garden because they ate one fruit. No. He sent them out of the garden because the tree of life was there and he wanted to protect them and he loved them enough to not let them remain eternally in that separated condition. The love of God is everywhere. You can't read scripture without finding the love of God. Allow that love of God to perfect or mature you. Verse number 17 says, Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we in this world. Allow the love of God to perfect or to mature you. Uh, Understand this. The immature think about themselves. The mature think about others. I've had conversations uh, with people before where they've had, they, they're in, in an argument and they're in that crazy cycle where without love, she's going to respond without respect. Without respect, he's going to respond without love. Without love, he, she's going to respond without... And you just keep on going. You keep on going in that crazy cycle. And I say, you know, somebody can end it just by stopping thinking about themselves and think of the other person for just a minute. Yeah, well, who's the first one to have to do it? The one who's more mature. So next time you find yourself in that fight with your spouse, which one are you going to be more mature? Now, don't do this. I'm going to be more mature than you, and I'm going to think about you. No, stop. You're thinking about yourself. Stop. I'm going to be more mature. Wrong. The mature think like Christ. Jesus laid down his life. Jesus set aside his own will. Jesus took up the cross and bore that shame. 
Like a lamb before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. You won't catch selfishness in Jesus. Nowhere in Scripture do you find it. Verse 18. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. When I live in the love of God. I am not concerned with self-preservation. I'm not afraid. I'm not fearful of what others may think of me. I'm not fearful of if God is going to forgive me. I'm not fearful. Of Perfect love cast out all fear. You know why we're afraid to come to Him and confess our sins to Him? Is because we don't understand how much He loves us. We need to learn what this love is. There's nothing to fear when I know how much the Creator loves and cares for me. Nothing. Let me just give you just a couple of statements and then we'll be finished. It's time for God's children to quit this infatuation of self. By this, he said, shall all men know you are my disciples if you have love one toward another. It's time for those who are claiming to be born again by the Spirit of God to quit thinking about me. And let's think about Him. And as a result of my thinking about Him, it's going to make me think about others. And oh, He is so wonderful. He is so loving. And He has forgiven me of so much. I can't wait to tell somebody else, oh, this person, they just treated me like garbage. But guess what? I've treated Him like garbage. And I'm going to show them the same kind of love that that I have seen in Him. And it's going to be that that I hope and I pray and I beg that God will use to get a hold of their life and that they will see Him in me and in my life and that they won't see me trying to get my way, but they will see me showing them God and that will make them fall in love with God more and more. You know that person that you work with that you just can't stand and you just are looking forward to the day that you don't have to work with them anymore? I wonder what would happen if they would experience the love of God. Maybe you wouldn't be so quick to get away from them anymore. But if all they experience is the judgment and condemnation of me, They may never come to know Him. Does that bother you? It should. Some people may say, well, Pastor, you're not supposed to make people uncomfortable. I prayed this morning that every single one of us would be shown something today where we have been selfish. 
I pray that the Lord would touch the heart of every single one of us today and reveal to us, you've been selfish here and it's time to give it up. Sadly, God didn't show me one thing. He's shown me several. And I've got work to do. And I pray that you're going to leave here today with work to do. We've got to get self off the throne of our hearts. And here's how we know if we're self-centered or not. That thing, that one thing on your mind right now, that one thing, I'm not saying to live the rest of your life perfect, I'm saying that one thing that's on your mind right now, you are faced with a choice. God, I'm going to address it and get myself off the throne or I'm going to reject you and leave myself there. That's the choice that we're facing. I don't know what God's dealing with you in your heart. I have no idea. I don't want to know. All I want to know is, are you willing to follow him rather than yourself? Ask yourself that. Am I following Jesus? Or am I going to continue to follow myself? Well, Pastor, you don't understand that one thing that's on my mind right now. I don't have to. You don't understand the 15 things on my mind right now. But I've been selfish. And it's time to get me away from the throne. Father, the truth of the matter is that either we're following you or we're following ourselves. And Father, I don't want to follow me because I know where I would end up. So Father, what I ask, Lord, is that you would speak to hearts now. But Father, the individual that may be contemplating something that they need to change, something that they need to maybe confess to someone else or to ask for forgiveness from someone else, I don't know what it may be. But Father, whatever is in their heart right now, God in heaven, you would make it as a fire burning in their soul. That even though they try to ignore it, they cannot. So Father, that we would leave this place determined that you will occupy the throne of our life. That you will be first and foremost, not me. Father, anything that we have placed as God in our life, we pray that you would tear that idol down. Father, that we would live in your love. And that as a result of living in your love, we would love you. And then show that love toward others. It's in your son's name we pray.